I am Brother Cornell West. This is Chris Hedges. I'm Rosa Clemente. Hey, what's up? This is Chuck D, Public Enemy Prophets of Rage. And this is News Beat. Hey, everyone. This is Manny Faces, producer and host of News Beat. Welcome to a very special episode in partnership with The Marshall Project, a New York City-based nonprofit news organization dedicated to covering and creating and sustaining a sense of national urgency about the U.S. criminal justice system. The Marshall Project's award-winning journalism, projects, and partnerships with news outlets and public forums strive to educate and enlarge the audience of people who care about the state of criminal justice. We value and share that mission. The United States remains the world's largest prison state, with more than 2.3 million people ensnared within its racially and socioeconomically skewed barbs on any given day. This special collaboration seeks to shine a light on some of the potential alternatives and solutions possible, focusing specifically on those underway within the Golden State, which is leading the charge. Sparked by a U.S. Supreme Court-imposed mandate to address prison overcrowding, such responses as relocations and sentence reductions, the stricter police accountability measures, and greater resources to assist former inmates with re-entry, though there's so much still to be done, California is distinguishing itself as a true model of prison reform that other states can emulate. This transformation, its triumphs, tribulations, and consequences, is explored in an ongoing series of stories by the Marshall Project dubbed The California Experiment, underscoring the significance, challenges, and ramifications of such reforms for us is Mia Bird, a research fellow in the areas of corrections and health and human services at the Public Policy Institute of California and a faculty member of the Goldman School of Public Policy at the University of California, Berkeley. In California, we've really been recently in a huge era of reform. Prior to the beginning of this era, California, like so many states, had been increasing incarceration levels pretty rapidly over time. Abby Van Sickle, a staff writer at the Marshall Project covering criminal justice in California, who's also a lawyer and a lecturer at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. There have been a series of measures that have been passed by lawmakers and by voters to try to reduce the number of people in the state's prisons. And Michael Tubbs, the mayor of Stockton, California. After my cousin was murdered, I did a lot of soul searching and, and realized that it wasn't just my pain and my anger, but there was countless families in this country and countless in my community that felt the same pain. Adding a little bit of our Newsbeat flavor is our incredible musical guest, Brooklyn-born lyrical mastermind and our artist in residence, Silent Night. And here it is. This is California epicenter of mass incarceration reform. In California, we've really been recently in a huge era of reform. And prior to the beginning of this era, California, like so many states, had been increasing incarceration levels pretty rapidly over time, really beginning in the early 1980s and through the 90s, just really increasing the size of that prison population. At the same time, what we saw were declining crime rates across the board. And now in California, crime rates are around the levels they were in the 1960s. And so, you know, beginning around 2005, 2006, when our prison population was at the peak, there was a conversation about whether we were over-incarcerating. That conversation started to take place. Below the standards of decency, that's what the U.S. Supreme Court calls California's overcrowded prisons. The state is home to one of the country's largest prison systems. Its 33 prisons were designed to hold about 80,000 inmates. Currently, there are more than 145,000 people behind bars. 
You know, we are asking questions about what it means to incarcerate this large of a share of the population, what kind of cost effectiveness in terms of sort of the public safety return you're getting, and is it even positive at this level of incarceration? So in 2011, the U.S. Supreme Court heard a case about overcrowding in California's prisons. 09-1233, Schwarzenegger versus Plata. The court upheld a cap on the state's prison population. Uh, what this court has under review today is an extraordinary and unprecedented order issued by a three-judge district court requiring the release of between 36,000 and 45,000 inmates currently incarcerated uh, in the California penal system uh, within a two-year period. And it set in motion um, sort of a series of changes in the way that the state's prisons worked in who was held and for how long and eventually how people could gain early release. In the years since, there have been a series of measures that have been passed by lawmakers and by voters to try to reduce the number of people in the state's prisons. If you go back and read the case, the opinion is by Anthony Kennedy, who's from Sacramento. This case deeply divided the justices along ideological lines. It was a 5-4 decision written by Justice Anthony Kennedy, who joined the court's four liberals in saying the drastic remedy was necessary because the overcrowding was causing needless suffering and death. Kennedy wrote, a prison that deprives prisoners of basic sustenance, including adequate medical care, has no place in civilized society. And, you know, he was focused on the conditions in the prisons and how people were being held in such a way that it was causing people to die. The dissents were focused a lot on public safety, what would happen if he released people from prison. This case produced an extraordinarily heated debate between the conservative and liberal justices. In dissent, Justice Samuel Alito said the court was, quote, gambling with the safety of the people of California. He added, I fear that today's decision, like prior prisoner release orders, will lead to a grim roster of victims. The best option that was put forward was through a piece of legislation called AB 109, referred to as public safety realignment. And what that legislation did is it limited local criminal justice systems. It limited their ability to send certain felony offenders to prison. So those who were non-violent, non-serious, and non-sexual offenders now would be sentenced locally. And that directly reduced the prison population. But also, very importantly, it prevented revocations to prison for most individuals who were leaving prison. And this meant that if they were picked up for misconduct, they either needed to be formally processed through the court system and reconvicted of an offense, or they needed to be revoked and serve that revocation term locally. So the state has had to come up with all kinds of ways to try to reduce the number of people behind bars. A controversial new law will go into effect after California voters passed Prop 47. It reduces certain drug and theft crimes from felony charges to misdemeanors. Proposition 57 aims to release some inmates before their full term, thereby reducing the prison population and removing the system from federal control. That's right, we are here where there was a very joyous reunion earlier today after Adnan Khan became the first person in California state to benefit from a brand new law allowing persons who have been convicted of first degree murder but didn't kill anyone to get their sentences reduced. 
And that, by giving so much power to the counties, has also given local officials in the 58 different counties a tremendous amount of discretion and power to try to figure out how to redo their local justice systems. I think counties have had really mixed results and really different politics in the different counties. But that's one of the reasons that we called this the California experiment is the idea that the counties were going to be these sort of little laboratories or incubators for criminal justice ideas. Look, California, this is the land of the Holy Grail. How you supposed to win when you only fail? Crawling from the dirt, we got broken nails. They could lock your body up, but your soul prevails. Waiting for a pill, but they slow as snails. My Brody had a baldy, now we got a ponytail. Been in the bank since Big Shaq. Now man's not hot, talking Shaq Diesel before the Kobe deal. We only human, but they treat us like we mutants, so we just a nuisance. Try and justify their movements, but we need improvements. Change the blueprint. Too many people up in the place, they all cooped in. It's a nightmare, it ain't hard to see. Not at all. California dreaming of equality dreaming. Still human beings, not, not property Their life still qualify for a little quality, right? San Joaquin County is a pretty interesting place because your listeners might have heard of it. It is where Stockton is. That's the main city and county seat. It became known as one of the foreclosure capitals of America in the financial crisis. This is probably the most difficult decision I have ever had to make as an elected official. Bankruptcy looms for Stockton, California, the result of a real estate market crash, bad civic investments, and generous benefits for city workers. So that city and the county were going through a financial collapse that, you know, right about the same time as this prison overcrowding issue was really coming to a head. There was concern among county leaders about how they were going to handle these changes. Stockton and San Joaquin County are both places that have had high crime rates in the past as well. And so the leaders were really worried about what this was going to mean for their county. A diverse city, Stockton has large Latino and Asian American populations, and it is solvent once again. But nearly one in four of its residents live in poverty, and the city battles a violent crime rate three times that of California's average. Well, out with the incumbent and in with the future, Michael Tubbs wins Stockton's mayoral race in a landslide, and the 26-year-old becomes one of the youngest mayors in the country. Now the big question for him is what's next for the city of Stockton and how? In the city of Stockton, listen. To this. Homicides dropped by 40% from 2017. The city also saw a 31% decrease in non-fatal shootings. Plus, Stockton, which has long been plagued by poverty, is testing universal basic income. When I was a junior in college, I um, interned in the White House in the Office of Intergovernmental Affairs. And my job was to work with mayors and councils. And my cousin was murdered while I was interning there. And my cousin Darnell James II, and it was the tipping point at the time I was at Stanford, I had just finished working at Google, I was out at the White House, so by all metrics, I was quote-unquote successful. I had made it. I was looking at a good job, make a lot of money, live very comfortably, and could talk about kind of where I came from, and like, look where I made it from. After my cousin was married, I did a lot of soul searching, and, and realized that it wasn't just my pain and my anger, but there was countless families in this country and countless in my community that felt the same pain. For the past 30 years, Stockton has been double or triple the state average consistently for gun violence and homicides. 
Um, when I was elected to city council, we had 71 homicides, which was more per capita um, than Chicago at the time. So unexpectedly high rates of, of violence. We now have more police officers than we ever had, but we also have an understanding that cops in and of itself are necessary but not sufficient. That cops don't do prevention work. They come in after a crime has been committed, but there's a lot of upstream factors and indicators we can use to figure out who is it that's going to drive gun violence in our community. Gun violence and gun violence reduction has been an obsession of mine. When I was on city council, I worked with the community to pass the ballot measure that created our Office of Violence Prevention. Um, in addition to that, I worked with the police chief and folks in the community to establish a ceasefire gun violence reduction program. And tonight, some people in Stockton are hopeful that a tried and true plan to reduce crime in the city will work this time around. Yeah, downtown, uptown, Southside city leaders say this plan has worked in the past and it'll work again. In the 90s, the mayor says it reduced the crime rate by 43 percent. I've been to every call-in or almost every call-in since 2013. When I was mayor, I also brought a program called Advanced Peace to further expand our capacity to deal with less than 1% of the population that commits 80% of our gun crimes. The program aims to reduce gun violence, gang activity, and gun-related deaths. Black community leaders say the missing link to solving gun and gang violence is mentorship. They believe this new program will introduce a role models into the lives of at-risk youth and ultimately help them out of that street life. And then since mayor of Austin focused on how do we improve these neighborhoods, how do you bring a collective impact approach to include the structures that produce a lot of violence in our communities? Priority number one is not an easy one. Last year we had a 40% reduction in, in homicides and a 30% reduction in shootings, but this year um, we're, we're, we're trending in the wrong direction again. So we're spending all this week and figuring out what's our strategy, what, what do we get wrong, how do we get our fundamentals up, because it's, it's not a sexy topic, it's not one to easily win on, but it's one that I'm committed to making sure that by the time I leave as mayor of Stockton, we're on a trend towards a steady decline in, in gun violence. Some get locked in boxes, some get stocked in subs Locked and loaded, stocked in shots, light up They're bringing guns to the fight, not boxing gloves Countless lives get touched and cops roll up Boxed in, no spies or stock options Cause no country clubs with pasta, that's the dub Sons is out here dying, no pops and such but I give a lot of credit, I'm watching subs Plan your work, work your plan, that's the goal, right? Gun violence and the system, that's a bold fight But every time the number drops, then you know you right Seize the day, lead the way, stay the goal, right? Golden State Sun Rehabilitation not everybody guilty by association It's the beginning, know there's still a lot of work awaiting But if the work is saving lives, then it's worth it, ain't it? We were in a moment of incredible reform but what I also realized was that there was a huge data gap, you know, sort of the criminal justice data gap. Data was very siloed, not just within counties, but within individual agencies within counties. And similarly, at the state level, certain data was held there that was not shared easily with counties. And so the whole vision of data-driven, evidence-based criminal justice system, really the feasibility of that rests on being able to find a way to integrate and share data so that we can understand who's moving through local and state systems, what kinds of programs and service and other interventions they're receiving along the way, and how that's affecting their outcomes. And you really need to bring all that data together in order to see that full picture of the population, the interventions they're receiving, and the outcomes. 
What we were able to learn based on those data is that realignment didn't have, as some people feared, it didn't have huge effects on crime rates and it didn't actually have any negative effects on specifically violent crime rates. And that's what folks were really worried about. If you reduced incarceration and you, in some respects, reduced the deterrent of going to prison, would we see a big increase in crime and would we see a big increase in particularly violent crime? And then the other question, and it's really a longer term question, is what was the effect on recidivism? And that takes more time to measure because you're looking at folks after they've been released from serving a custody term and you're following them for some period of time after release to understand if they're reoffending and if you see evidence of reoffending. And it's a very complicated question to answer because unfortunately we can't observe reoffending behavior. The first thing with crime statistics is that they're notoriously difficult to draw conclusions from about say a policy goes into effect and then you look at crime rates and trying to draw a direct line between those things is really difficult. But what I can say, we did look at crime data in California for the last couple of decades. And what we see now is that crime remains at historic lows in California, even after these measures have passed. And there are wide variations among the counties. Those are two of the main takeaways. Some counties have seen crime go up in the last few years. Some have seen it go down. There's a tremendous variation in which crimes have gone up and down throughout the state. There's definitely a push against these measures that have been introduced in the last few years. A few of the criticisms of them, primarily by some law enforcement and prosecutors, are that counties were not given much time to adapt to these changes. And so that could have led to increases locally in cities and counties in crime. Also, the type of crimes that are covered, particularly by Prop 47, have caused some problems in the state. The main one that this group has been focused on, they say that shoplifting has gone up statewide because Prop 47, it essentially made it so that someone would have to steal much more from a shop or a store in order to be arrested and detained and accused of a felony. California, with its movement to decarcerate or to have fewer people in the prisons, this has been going on for a few years here and now. And so I think there's an idea that there can be some lessons learned about how to reduce the number of people who are behind bars and how to do it without a threat to public safety. And then how to tackle some of these issues that are nationwide issues, like cash bail. So there are some movements in California that have been in place for a while that may be able to provide some good clues to the rest of the country about what works and what doesn't. Experiment for the betterment of every man and woman. It's evident there's a definite chance that we should move in the direction that the state of California been doing. Showing and proving, not making excuses or twiddling thumbs useless. It's all about solutions. We owe it to the people in there. That's my two cents. Plus the youth them. I focus on the logic. When the numbers add up, there's not an increase in violence. Look, brick by brick, link by link, we can stop it. Topple the mass imprisonment machine like the Marshall Project. Pummel the prison industry complex. Blowing the status quo up. You catching on yet? Decarceration. Guaranteed basic income. Attacking the core causes, not just the symptoms. Following the lead from the place we're hit from. Reform on all fronts. Really change. The system. The marathon continues. Well, indeed it does. Once again, folks, this is Manny Faces, Newsbeats producer and host. Thank you for listening to this very special collaboration with nonprofit The Marshall Project. 
highlighting the prison reforms taking place as part of the aptly titled California Experiment. You can learn more about this initiative and read a wide range of stories from Abby Van Sickle and others covering a vast array of components of the U.S. criminal justice system and mass incarceration crisis on their website, themarshallproject.org. Search California Experiment there to view the stories specifically dealing with the issues included within this episode. And we encourage you to sign up to receive The Marshall Project's daily email newsletter called Opening Statement by visiting themarshallproject.org slash subscribe. Consider donating to them and check out more of their incredible projects. Follow them on Facebook at The Marshall Project and on Twitter at Marshall P-R-O-J. Contact Abby Van Sickle directly at Abby, A-B-B-I-E, at themarshallproject.org and follow her on Twitter at Abby Van Sickle, A-B-B-I-E, Van Sickle, S-I-C-K-L-E. Learn more about the nonprofit, nonpartisan think tank, Public Policy Institute of California, the PPIC, and its many extraordinary publications, initiatives, and events at ppic.org. Mia Bird co-led a collaborative study between the PPIC and the California Board of State and Community Corrections, the BSCC. This multi-county study is designed to estimate the effects of realignment on recidivism outcomes and identify best practices for recidivism reduction at the local level. Uh, She also leads a project focused on the impact of the Affordable Care Act on enrollment and recidivism outcomes for the criminal justice population. Information about this, too, can be found at ppic.org. You can contact Mia Bird directly at bird, B-I-R-D, at ppic.org. Upon taking office in January 2017, Michael Tubbs became both Stockton, California's youngest mayor and the city's first African-American mayor. He's also the youngest mayor in the history of the country, representing a city with a population of over 100,000 residents, and his programs to combat poverty, gun violence, and other pressing issues have received national coverage. Among these, Tubbs launched the nation's first municipal-level basic income pilot, the Stockton Economic Empowerment Demonstration. Learn more at StocktonGov.com, follow the mayor on Twitter at Michael D. Tubbs, and search the hashtag ReinventStockton for related news. To hear more incendiary rhymes from hip-hop lyrical kingslayer Silent Night, our artists in residence, check out Silent Night, that's night with a K, silentnight.bandcamp.com, and visit bandcalledfuse, F-U-S-E.com, to hear his tracks with the insane hip-hop fusion band that he fronts. Follow them all on Twitter at Silent Nighter and Band Called Fuse. As always, Newsbeat is brought to you by Maury Creative Studios, a growth-driven New York-based HubSpot partner agency, helping companies leverage the HubSpot platform to achieve sustainable digital growth. Check them out at maurycreative.com and grow for good. Now remember, there's a full-length cover story accompanying this and every one of our episodes, along with extended guests and musical artist bios, swag you can cop, and much more at usnewsbeat.com, so most definitely hit us up. We're striving to illuminate the most pressing social justice issues of our day and just maybe spark change. If you like what you heard, consider contributing to the cause at usnewsbeat.com support. Also, please subscribe and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Once again, y'all, I'm Manny Faces signing out. Power to the people. One love. Rest in peace, Nipsey Hustle. The marathon continues. <laughs>